So we're talking about change today and patience. So Moses, uh, God has to have a lot of patience with Moses. We've talked a lot about that. He's got 40 years in the desert with him. And he still has to have patience with Moses as he grows with the leader. And then Moses has to have a lot of patience with the Israelites, the people he's going to lead. And so we're just going to talk about how, how is it that we, we have patience with other people as we lead them into change. Because don't you want just to say, hey, do this, and then they change. That's my goal. Uh, but it rarely happens that way to me, and it rarely happens that way when I'm leading other people. And so sometimes trying to change, trying to get out of the place you are, it just takes a lot more effort than you first imagined.
Now, there, there's a fast-forwarded version of that that you're wishing I had shown at this point. But I thought just playing it in real time created even more frustration. I mean, how many times you would say, just back up in the dang empty spots and pull out? I mean, how can you not see it? But that's really you and I from God's perspective. We're doing all these turns, and he's like, come on, what in the world? And so often you're having to deal with other people that you think, why can't you? This is so simple, son, or this is so simple, uh, employee. This Just back up and you go this way, but sometimes it just takes the long route for us to get out of the parking lot. And I just want to notice the patience uh, that Moses has and think about how you can kind of have that same patience. And when we turn to Exodus chapter 4, Moses has come back to, to Egypt out of the desert. And we're going to sort of just skip through 10 chapters, 4 to, four, uh, to 14. And you re- when you read through this, uh, it's all about the plagues. It's, it feels like this car. Move, move, move. But you don't actually, it, there's movement, but there's nothing forward. It's always just a plague. Pharaoh says no, a plague. Pharaoh says no. It's just a lot of, uh, it seems like a lot of activity, but no forward movement. That's how that reads. And so I'm sort of just asking myself, why does God do it this way? Why, doesn't, why isn't it Moses comes back, he gets everybody together, they part the Red Sea, they leave? I mean, that to, that to me seems like a lot simpler process, does it not? Hey, guys, God's with you. We're going to get rid of Pharaoh's army in one big you know, wave. So let's all get here, part the Red Sea. Pharaoh's, we walk across safely. Pharaoh's already come. Bingo, it's all done. But God rarely works that way. And if he rarely works that way with us, then we're not going to, we're going to work similarly with other folks. And I think there's uh, two or three things happening in this passage. Uh, One is God's trying to build the leadership muscles of Moses. And if you know anything about weightlifting, to build a muscle takes time. You can't just go in there one, one day, no matter how much you work out, and get it all done. And so he has to build something in Moses. He's also trying to, to help the Hebrews detach from slavery. And again, they've been here for 400 years, so detaching from your culture is not easy to do. And then finally... We'll see how God takes them on a roundabout way. So chapter 4, if you're following along, this is building the leadership muscle. You'll just see this process with God and Moses. 4 verse 29. Uh, Then Moses and Aaron went together and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel and Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and he did the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Okay, so this is a good start. God comes back through the person of Moses. He's heard our affliction. We trust in Moses because he's given us these signs. We're going to, we're, we're, God's going to do something and we're going to follow. So this, if you're Moses and Aaron, you're thinking, okay, this is a good start. Chapter 5, verse 1. 
Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But, but Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know him. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Okay, so there's going to be some pushback. I mean, we got a yes from the Israelites, obviously, but a no from the person in power. Then uh, chapter 5, verse 19. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task, each day. Because they had, uh, they're supposed to make bricks now with Pharaoh not supplying the straw. So now we've got the Israelites meeting with Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And then they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge you, because you have made us a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to the people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Okay, we got some trouble in paradise now. We, we went from, hey, God's with us, we're for it, we're all down. Uh, take one little piece out of the equation, straw. Uh, okay, God, where are you? And the people, Moses, you know, you're out. So things are changing. And then chapter 6, verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in and tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, let the people of Israel go out of this land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. So they went from worship to not listening. How then shall, how then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and Pharaoh and the king of Egypt to bring the people out of the land. So we're moving from, hey, this all looks good, to this is going to be harder than I thought, to disillusionment. And I want you to know this is a pattern in leadership. You probably all felt it at some point. Right, You feel called, you feel energized, you feel like you're in the right spot. Everything seems to be going right. Uh, I'm hitting some hurdles. It's a little harder than I thought. Not everybody's excited about me or the new program. or it's not going, The rollout's not going quite as well as I had hoped. The business isn't taking off. Like I, you know, I had all these stats and charts, and you know, my line's a lot lower than the ones I had projected. And then <coughs> it doesn't work at all. And then you fall into this disillusionment. Where is God? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with me? And this is a, this is a very easy place to get stuck as a leader. And again, this could be in your own marriage. You get married, you got the honeymoon stage, everything's great. She's not as perfect as I thought. Of course, I'm f still fine, but she's got some problems. Now we all have some problems. And I've got buyer's remorse. And I'm stuck here the rest of my life. See, that, that pattern happens in all kinds of ways. And you're going to hit it in your marriage. You're going to hit it in your business. You're going to hit it in your church. You're going to hit it with the Lord. You're going to hit it in all these areas. 
And it's going to be easy to get in the disillusionment stage and then just get stuck, frozen, and just kind of quit. Chapter 8, verse 28. So we're into the plagues here. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but only you must not go very far. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I'm going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from the people, and not one remained. So just, just a tiny movement. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he's built a little bit of a muscle. Hey, buddy, don't cheat again. See, this is a... This is a little more confidence than the very first time. Hey, he's not going to do what I say. And I, this, is, this is building this leadership muscle. And then he goes to God and says, Hey, why, why, are, you doing, why, aren't, why aren't you why are you doing the fly thing? But he doesn't say that. He says, Okay, would you take away the flies and let us you, you be a part of this equation? You see how he's moving just emotionally and temperamentally, not as afraid of Pharaoh more confidence in God not questioning himself not questioning Pharaoh not questioning uh, the Lord but he's just building this muscle and we could read more but let's turn to chapter 14 verse 10 here we are at the Red Sea they've they're hemmed in as you know they're on one side water uh, then on the other side, Pharaoh's army. And there's no place to move. And we look at 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes and beheld the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? This is a charming group to lead here. What have you done to us in bringing us out of it? I mean, we're, you brought us out of Egypt. What have you done to bring us out of Egypt? Is, is not this bringing us out of, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may be slaves to the Egyptians. Oh my gosh, I'd be like, go on back. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I just feel the muscle that Moses has built over these several months. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You feel that? This is a very different Moses than the first hurdle he's not concerned about pharaoh's army he's not concerned about the whining of the people he's not concerned about himself because he's totally confident in the lord 
Now, this took several repetitions. So one reason God doesn't just go from, let's just get the people to the Red Sea and get them through, is because he needs to build this leadership muscle. And so some of you might feel like I'm in this parking lot where there's a lot of movement, but it's not forward at all. And I would suggest that it's possible that God's building a muscle. Now, it may be the leadership muscle, it may be some other muscle, but you just feel like in your marriage or in your work or in your church or wherever it is, in yourself, I keep trying these things, but I don't actually make real movement. It's just this, the car that goes, you know, six inches, six inches, six inches. But at some point, you break free. Break free. And you might be just in the six inches, six inches, and I would just say, be patient. Don't, don't think nothing's happening. Don't get disillusioned and just say, well, I mean, it didn't work out. I, I mean, I've been working on my wife or working on the business for six months, and it didn't. And I'm, I'm done, I'm out. Just trust the, the slow work of God. Second thing is that he's trying to help the Hebrews detach from slavery. And he's also trying to prove to Pharaoh who the real God is. So there's two things happening here. All these plagues, you may know this, but each plague is a direct correspondent to a God that the Egyptians served. You know this? So every plague, like flies, has a direct correspondent to a God who's in control of flies, basically. And what Moses is doing for Pharaoh but also for the Israelites to say, all these gods you've served in your culture, they're nothing. And I can't just come in and tell you that. I've got to show it to you. And I've got to show it to the power person, Pharaoh. But the people of God, they've been in this, this culture for 400 years. And they know about Yahweh, but they've lived under the gods of the culture. And it started to seep into their own bloodstream. So Moses has to prove to the people, hey, we're following the real God. So there's the, the Nile. He turns the Nile to blood, frogs, gnats, flies, death of livestock, boils, hail, locust, darkness is number nine, and finally the death of the firstborn. So here's the God of the Nile, happy, H-A-P-I. If you lived as an Israelite in Egypt, you would know this picture. You'd pass it all the time. And the Nile is a huge source of income and life for the Egyptians. So you would have been praying to this God all the time. Here's the one for the frogs. H-E-K-E-T. I mean, see, this seems weird, doesn't it? Like... There's a God for frogs, for creation, and it looks like this, and you think it has power. Here's the goddess of healing, Isis. Here is one of the most powerful gods, Re, R-E, or Ra. This is the sun god. And the firstborn was Pharaoh himself. He's the firstborn from the God, and now he's representing God on earth. 
So when it's the death of the firstborn, God's saying, hey, no, I'm over you too, Pharaoh. So all these gods, Moses has had take time to say, this God, the one that you serve, the one that got into your bloodstream, it's nothing. This God that you went to when you had boils or any kind of skin disease, it's nothing. This God of the sun that brings nourishment, it's nothing. Pharaoh, he's nothing. And you might think, well, the Israelites surely didn't think this. But do you remember when they got out in the wilderness and Moses was gone for a long time? What did they do? They made a god out of a bull. They worshipped that god and said, this god brought us out of Egypt. Isn't that painful? But what I want you to hear and be careful not to dismiss quickly is ask how much of the culture has been sinking into you. See, there are all kinds of gods in our culture. Power, money, sex, comfort, materialism. I mean, you name it. And they're just as foolish looking as this. I mean, if we could have a picture of it and say, hey, do you know people bow down and worship this little green piece of paper that had a president's face on it? No, they really, like they spent their whole life trying to get little green pieces of paper with president's faces. Can you believe it? And what would we say? Yeah, I I can believe it. It's it's gotten in my bloodstream. I'm totally aware of that. But we look at this and see, see, it seems foolish, but see what Moses is trying to do and what God's really trying to do is to say, all these gods that you serve, It's going to take time for me to get them out of your system. It's not going to happen all at once. So God's patient with you, patient with his people. And if you're a leader, you're going to have to be patient with other people. They're not going to change all at once. Whatever they bought into, whatever system they think is valuable... They're, they're just not going to suddenly let go of it. It's going to be a lot of little moves, and then suddenly God opens a door and something good happens. I've said this before. In leadership, there's lots of ways to think about it, but to me, this is the easiest way to think about leadership is here. and there and leadership is getting people from here to there that's leadership now how do you get people from here to there a lot of times leaders start with a vision and God's saying you can't stay here I want to make sure you understand guys you cannot stay here These gods are nothing. Okay, now I'm ready. Where do we go? Does that make sense? So sometimes in your leadership, instead of just sort of casting vision, you might just say, hey, guys, we can't stay here. And you you might have to say it over and over again. I, I cannot stay here. If I stay here in this current condition, I'm likely to end up in some place I don't want to end up on. 
And I just have to hear it over and over again. We can't stay here. And Moses is saying this over and over. Guys, we cannot stay here. But you see how hard it is. They're at the Red Sea and they say to themselves, would you send us back into slavery? This is what's so powerful about the culture. And you all know it because you have some, you've had or you have some kind of addiction. It might be to power. It might be to pornography. It might be to money. And you know it's not good, but you can't not do it, even though you know it's not good. And it takes time. It takes patience. Finally, Exodus 13. They've left Egypt by the time they get to the Red Sea. In verse 13, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, I think this is on your handout. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory. These are the fierce army warriors. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Let me say that again. God didn't lead them through the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way. You want to circle that. God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness. God leads you on purpose in a roundabout way. I'm standing here. The promised land is a few steps ahead of me. And I've got to go all the way around and then come back. And that's not a waste of time. But I'm complaining the whole time. God, it's right there. Why can't we just go right there? And he says, Paul, you you can't take that step. Because if you take that step, you're going to get a battle and you're going to lose. So I need to build your muscle. It's going to take a long time so that when you enter in, you're ready to fight. The shortest route is not the best route. Let's just say that together. The shortest route is not the best route. I mean, it's just, again, to have that down in your your bloodstream and also understand for the people you're leading, most of the time I'm a lean forward, let's get it done kind of leader. I don't like the roundabout way. I don't like it for myself. I don't like taking people on the roundabout way. I like to say, we're trying to go there. Let's go as fast and as short as we can. But some people need a longer circle in order to actually get there. This is a quote, and I'll end here, from one of the books on Moses that I've read. Although we may feel invincible based on our earlier earlier triumphs, like we've seen God work in the plagues, God knows we're not invincible. He knows that if we were to experience any real dangerous toils or snares, we wouldn't be ready for them. One of the main lessons we learn from this stage of the spiritual journey is that God is not in any particular hurry to get us to the promised land. I'm, I wake up and I'm in a hurry before I ever get out of my bed. I I hope you're not wired this way because it's not a great way to live. But I wake up and thinking, I'm behind. 
and I get in a hurry, and then I come into the office, and if you're not on my list, I, I'm just walking by. I don't, like, I don't have time to chit-chat. I've got things that i got to get done, and I'm always in a hurry, and I'm always a little bit behind, and I always think I'm just about ready to catch up, except I never catch up. God is not in any particular hurry to get us to the promised land. He's much more concerned about transforming work that he's doing in us to prepare us for greater responsibilities. See, Matt, he prayed, if you didn't know, I know Matt, so I notice, you know, be patient. Because Matt found out he was going to get into ministry in December, and he's ready for it to be August right now. Everyone would. Like, I, I'm going to go to UVA. I'm going to get to tell students about Jesus. Let's go right now. Well, Matt, we got eight months. It's the roundabout way, Matt. There's something God's doing in the eight months that if you went right now, it wouldn't be as good. Sometimes it's eight years. Like That sounds, it was 40 for Moses. So in case you think eight years is long, it's not 40. Onlookers may observe our journey, like Pharaoh, and think we're just wandering around aimlessly. But God knows what he's doing. He's concerned about strengthening our faith so we're prepared when the real challenges are to be faced. So God's not in a particular hurry to get to this promised land. He's, he's using a roundabout way. You may wish you were here and you think your marriage should be there and you just want to go there as fast as you can, but it just isn't going to go that fast. Or your business. Or yourself. So we're going to take a break here, get into our groups, just talk about these concepts, God being patient with us, us being patient with other people, the roundabout way. Questions are on the screen. Ready? Break.